0: college baseball tuesday tennessee continues to be a juggernaut and nobody freak out but we have mock drafts let's talk about it you are locked on mlb prospects part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Yes, welcome on into Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And on today's episode, I mean, what a wild weekend in college baseball. I'm excited to talk about a new mock draft that just dropped. uh, But first, got to kind of cover what happened. Tennessee, we keep talking about Tennessee being a juggernaut this year. It continues. I had a conversation yesterday. With the host of Locked On Auburn. Because Auburn is hosting Vanderbilt this upcoming weekend. And he said, what I know about Vanderbilt is they're pretty much a professional baseball organization. That happens to be affiliated with a college. It's like single A, double A team quality. I'm like, yeah, that seems pretty right. Tennessee went into Nashville and handled business. Tickets for this series. Funny story. Tickets for this series. It costs more to go to these three games than it costs to go to the Final Four. Tennessee goes in. Sweeps. Vanderbilt. Third straight conference series sweep by Tennessee. They win 6-2, they win 5-2, they win 5-0. And I think the most surprising thing is they only scored 16 runs. So they now have a 19-game uh, winning streak. It's the longest in the nation this season. It is a program record streak. And we've talked so much about the offense. I mean, they've hit 69 home runs in 28 games. Like, very nice output coming from the offense. 10 and a half runs a game from this offense, but the pitching staff. So the staff ERA for Tennessee, 1.8. Not for this series, for the season. 1.80 for the season. This weekend, their bullpen only had to throw four and two thirds innings. And they did it with one hit, one walk, no run scored. I mean, Tennessee. Is number one in every single poll, and they deserve to be. And at this rate, I mean, I have Tennessee as one of my eight teams uh, in Omaha, and I'm going to have them until somebody shows me that they can stop Tennessee. And it's so odd that they're doing this with all these young players. Uh, Sunday, two hit shutout from a freshman righty. I mean, just like, this is so much like that they're doing with young guys that are not even draft eligible. Uh, we're halfway through the season and they have looked completely unstoppable. It's nuts. Uh, And it's like, part of it is I wonder what Vanderbilt, like what is Vanderbilt? They've always historically been really good. Um, Their pitching staff played great. They held, I mean, they held Tennessee to 16 runs on a weekend, which again, they score 10 and a half a game. So they're on pace for, you know, for almost 33 runs a game or 33 runs in a series. But Vanderbilt, is now 4-3 and in their series this season. They won a series against Army. They won at Hawaii. They won against Wagner. They won against Missouri. They've lost to Oklahoma State. They've lost to South Carolina. They've lost to Tennessee. And so, like, how good is Vanderbilt? I don't think we know. They go to Auburn this weekend. Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. And I think we'll know a lot more about the SEC uh, and a lot more about Vanderbilt and stuff like that. Some of these teams behind Tennessee in the East after that series. I'll get to that a little bit later. But Stanford, we talked about Stanford in the Pac-12, uh, having a really good pitching staff, them and UCLA. And and Stanford scuffled a little bit. They win the series over Oregon State. So they are at second in the Pac-12 right now. They stayed there. And the big thing here for this show, two draft-eligible lefties really showed off in this series. So Quinn Matthews of Stanford. Um Has historically been a starter. They moved him to the pen for this series. Uh, He's a guy, he's got a heavy fastball to him. He's got a great changeup. And against lefties, he has a really effective slider. And he threw an inning, a perfect inning on Friday. Not immaculate, but a perfect inning. Nine pitches, two strikeouts. Uh, Third one, I think, was a ground out. And then hasn't forgotten where he come from with their starter roots. Comes in on Sunday, out of the pen, goes seven innings. Gives him three hits, one run, four walks, 11 strikeouts. And so on the season now, Quinn Matthews, 43 and a third innings, 2-7 ERA, 61 strikeouts, 18 walks. We've talked so much on this show about the state of college pitching right now, how few guys, draft eligible guys there are. They're all either hurt or they're young. And so Quinn Matthews. Made a case to be one of the first left-handers off the board. If he can continue doing some of this for the rest of the season, he's going to shoot up the stock. Same thing, Cooper Herpe of, of, of Oregon State. Very polished pitcher. Doesn't have overpowering stuff, but can get plenty of swings and misses. He's got a low 90s fastball. He's got a cutter. He's got a slider and a change. Doesn't walk a lot of guys. Gets a lot of swing and miss because he has really good deception. He can blend everything together out of the arm slot. Through eight innings on Friday, two hits, no runs, one walk, seventeen strikeouts—just absolutely absurd on the season. Forty-one and two-thirds innings with a one-nine-four ERA, sixty-eight strikeouts and ten walks. So Stanford Oregon series, great pitching. Go back if you want to watch on Friday. Watch Cooper Herpe for Oregon State on Sunday. Go watch uh, Quinn Matthews come out of the bullpen for Stanford. It was really great. Uh, Georgia. University of Georgia uh, swept Florida at home in Athens. Uh, the thing about Georgia here, we've talked about Florida and Hunter Barco, but uh, the big thing here, RPI now is number three for Georgia. They've played some tough teams because one of their big non-conference matchups is Georgia Tech. You know, uh, I believe uh, like the rivalry is called clean, old-fashioned. Hey, they don't like each other. So they play good teams every year. Uh, They're probably going to end up hosting a regional. And a lot of this series came down to draft-eligible right-hand pitcher Jonathan Cannon and then the bullpen. So Cannon had the really electric fastball, 93-95, to uh, plus slider, above-average changeup. And what I like, just watching some of the film from this series, and I I turned it on to watch Hunter Barco, but uh, Jonathan Cannon can throw the fastball to either side of the plate for strikes. And you see a lot of guys struggle sometimes where they can't necessarily... Like they can't throw it in on a lefty, or, you know, like they, they get messed up with it. He can throw it on both sides of the plate for strikes. Against Florida, he goes six innings, gives up five hits, no runs, two walks, three strikeouts. Those two strikeouts, he only had three, on, he only has three on the season. So two of those were there. Uh, 47 and a third innings right now, 171 ERA, 46 strikeouts, three walks. So, like I said, not overpowering stuff but he can strike dudes out. Um and then the last one here, Virginia Tech. This offense continues to crush. They sw- uh, they followed up last week's sweep of Georgia Tech with a series win uh against UNC in Chapel Hill. And the big thing here, outfielder Gavin Cross. We're going to cover him in our mock draft a little later. 330, 422, 638, 5 home runs. And here's an idea or here's an ex- an, an example of how good this Virginia Tech offense is. He's going to be a top 10 pick. His OPS is 1060. It's 6th best on the team. 1060 OPS is 6th best on the team. That's how good this Virginia Tech offense is. And in just a minute, I want to tell you about some of these teams coming up this weekend and some of these great matchups with some draft eligible guys. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friend at Athletic Greens. I literally use these every single day. I um, I'm celiac and so I can't eat gluten. I have absorption issues when it comes to nutrients in my small intestine and athletic greens has been the only reliable, consistent way that I have found to be able to get my daily recommended, um, allotment of vitamins minerals probiotics adaptogens superfoods all of that so every single morning you get up it's one scoop and eight to 12 ounces of cold water shake it up drink it it doesn't taste like greens it's flavored less than one gram of sugar it's it's good for gluten-free diets it's good for dairy free diets uh, vegan paleo keto cost you less than three dollars a day to kind of ensure your health so right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient, daily nutrition as we head into flu and cold season. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of their immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first visit. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So, this weekend, you're going to have some great, great college baseball matchups coming up. Uh, really excited about some of these. So, your your top 10 matchup for the weekend, Virginia at Miami. We've talked about uh, Miami's great pitching. They've got closer, turn starter, Carson Palmquist, draft eligible guy, really fun to watch him pitch, but you've got the great pitching versus Virginia's amazing offense, and Top 10 matchup, but these teams are one game apart in conference play. Miami has a one-game lead over Virginia. Uh, so it's going to be at Mark Lightfield. I actually believe it's Alex Rodriguez Park at Mark White Field or something like that. It's named after A-Rod, which is, I did not know that until, until just now. It's odd, but anyway. Um, yeah, Friday night. Uh, Nate Savino for Virginia against Carson Palmquist of Miami. Some lefties. Going to be a good matchup. Uh, another one to watch, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. So there's a, some interesting Big 12 matchups. This is one because obviously uh, they're in the same state. They're rivals. They don't like each other. Um, Oklahoma State's biggest rival is Oklahoma. Oklahoma's biggest rival is Texas. So there's that really interesting like little brother dynamic to this series. But the big thing here is um, Oklahoma has to sweep this series if they want to be in front of Oklahoma State in the standings. They're two games back right now. And so Oklahoma's going to go for broke. They've already done Bedlam. Uh, you know, where where they they did a midweek thing with that. Well, now they're doing a weekend series. I look for for Oklahoma to throw everything they have at this series. Empty the bullpen. Whatever they have to do. Because they have to sweep this if they want to win the Big 12 Uh, And be able to host a regional. So they're going to go all out for this. And then TCU at Texas. So this one's really interesting. Texas started off with the number one ranking in the country. And they've struggled a bit uh, dropping some stuff. And right now TCU is up by three games in the conference. And TCU is coming off a tough series loss against West Virginia. Uh, Meanwhile, Texas... Has all the momentum in the world. Texas just had the biggest comeback in series history to win game three and win the series against Oklahoma. Texas scored 11 unanswered runs in the final three innings of Sunday's game three to win the series against Oklahoma. They got all the momentum in the world, and they're going to absolutely be out there, um, you know, like trying to sweep this series so they can get back in first place. Uh, and, and try to win the Big 12. And then the games that I'm going to be going to personally to go watch and go scout some guys, I'm going to be at Vanderbilt at Auburn, two top 25 teams, depending on which polls you look at. Uh, but it's weird. Vandy has lost two straight series. Auburn has won two like back-to-back road series. And so now they're back at home. And so a couple guys from each side I'm going to watch. Uh, Auburn, right-hand pitcher Mason Barnett. Uh, he's going to come in in relief. He's he's not a starter for them on the weekend right now. He has all the tools. Left-hand pitcher, Hayden Mullins. Uh, really interested to watch him. Two weeks ago, he took a line drive to the face. Uh, had to leave a game. Didn't want to come out. Had to come out. Made his return to the lineup last week on Thursday with a start. Pitched really well at LSU to win that series. So excited to see what he does there. And then first baseman, Sonny DeChara. They call him the thick king for a reason. He leads the country in on-base percentage. He's top five in batting average. Top five in slugging. Um, And he's probably up there in walks. I want to say LSU walked him six times in three games. Just did not want to pitch to him. And the one game they did pitch to him, he goes four for five with a home run. And I think four RBIs, three RBIs. So Auburn has some pieces there. And then for Vanderbilt, Obviously, it's Vanderbilt. There's plenty of guys you can watch. For me, it's going to be uh, shortstop Carter Young. I want to see what he does. Right-hand pitcher Nick Maldonado is a draftable guy from this team. We're going to, uh, I don't think we're going to get much of a look at him this weekend, but a draftable guy on this team. And then catcher Jack Bulger. Um, you know, the starting catcher, somebody who who is trying to break into that top tier of MLB draft catchers. We've talked so much about college catchers and how there's a premium on them in the draft. He's trying to break into that group. The real star of this game and I'm excited to watch in person. I haven't seen him yet. Outfielder Enrique Bradfield for uh, Vanderbilt. Starting center fielder. Tons of steals. Can hit well. There's already talk about him being a top 10 pick in 23. I'm going to get an early look at him. Really excited to kind of report back what I see next week of Enrique Bradfield. And in just a minute, talking about the draft. I do want to cover Baseball America put out a mock draft uh, on Friday, April 1st. Got me for a second. Thought it was a joke. Uh, But I want to tell you all about some of the guys who we've seen rise and fall in this mock draft. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and your sports info. You can find all the way to sports development, including this week's Masters Championship odds. The Masters is this week. It is back. It is the greatest week uh, in sports. Even if you're not a huge golf fan, it's just great to sit there and listen to Jim Nance talk about the rolling fields of Augusta. It's a beautiful course. It's lovely to watch on TV. If you don't watch a ton of golf and you watch the Masters, look and tell me how many pine cones you see. It's like a whole thing. They don't want you to see a pine cone on the ground. Anyway, so um, as we go through the the practice rounds, the par 3 contest, the big conversation obviously is Tiger Woods going to play or not. So, betonline.net is your continued source for your sports wagering information on that, live betting on the Masters. All of that. So head to the website today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because Bet Online is where the game starts. Okay, so Baseball America put out the mock draft, and they actually, and they actually had one before the college baseball season. So they did one for a while, and then this is the newest update. We're halfway through the baseball season for the, for college. So, and the way that they do this is they have a, a, one of their writers, and they have a professional baseball scout alternate the picks so these are all like influenced by mlb and what they think and what they feel and so kind of real quick some of the guys who have who have risen up the boards and some of the guys who have fallen down the boards uh catcher i've talked about this guy before catcher kevin parada of georgia tech he has probably risen himself from first round to top 10 uh he's improved defensively He's improved his power. His power has manifested this year. He already had a very highly rated hit tool. So defensively, he's not the best, but he's good enough to be a top 10 pick in the draft. Uh, I think he can stick at catcher. I have not seen him in person, but the video of him, what I've seen on TV, I think Kevin Prada can stick at at catcher should be a top 10 pick. Right behind him for top catching picks in this draft out of college, Daniel Susak from Arizona. He's better offensively than defensively, uh, but he does have great offensive ability. So it's more of a uh, of a positive on his offense and a negative on his defense. Uh, he's a plus hitter. He's got plus power. And then he's got that big, tall frame where he can put on healthy, good weight, uh, help manifest some of that power into home runs, things like that. I think he may end up moving off of catcher. He doesn't have to. I think he would be good enough to be at least an average off, uh, defensive catcher. But I think he's probably a guy who might end up moving to a corner infield spot, moving to a third or something like that. Outfielder Jordan Beck. We talked about Tennessee earlier. Uh, Jordan Beck, average defender in right field, plus arm. Has a really good arm. Surprising athleticism for a corner outfielder. A lot of times these corner guys, you see him as the big, hulking, kind of just larger guys. Really good athlete. The power is evident. He's got some stuff to clean up. Uh, he's got a lot of swing and miss on the outer third, specifically when it comes to breaking balls, but I think he's one of those guys, he has a good chance to be the first college outfitter off the board, um, simply because that that power has started to show up in games. Um, I mentioned him earlier, Hunter Barco, the lefty from Florida. Uh, 1-4-1 ERA over six starts this season. Uh, excellent strikeout to walk rates. I think he has a, a chance to be the first college pitcher off the board. Part of that is because of the lack of depth when it comes to college pitching in this draft, more so than than it is anything amazing about Hunter Barco. He is a good pitcher, but I think he's probably not the number one college pitcher off the board in a standard-looking class. This just has a lot of, a lot of missing pieces. Uh, third baseman Kade Doty is a guy who... who uh, from LSU got a chance to watch him last weekend when Almond went to LSU. Uh, one of the best, uh, just like very advanced offensive approach, plenty of contact, more power this year. I do think he's gonna have to move from shortstop to third. I just don't think defensively uh, he is good enough to stick it short, but he has the frame, he has the athleticism, and the arm to do it. Can end up playing in third, and then a the guy who's climbed up quite a bit. Uh, is Gabriel Hughes from Gonzaga, the right-handed pitcher. I talked about him a few weeks ago. He's got power stuff. He's got good numbers. Fastball can hit 97. uh, He's got a good breaking ball. He's got a good changeup. Very strong in physical frame. And the comp for the style of pitcher he is, not a player comp, but the style of pitcher he is, think of a Corbin Burns type as far as his approach, his arsenal, what he does with it. Some of the guys that I've seen Falling a little bit in this Baseball America mock draft. Um, Corner infielder Jacob Berry from LSU. So One of the best pure hitters in this class. Um, LSU's got a lot of talent there. But a guy who defensive limitations are going to drop him a little bit. He's going to be confined to a corner. He's at third now. There's a good chance he's going to be stuck at first. And so he's going to drop a little bit. But he's one of the best just pure hitters in the class. I like his power to manifest a little bit more. Um, But Either way, he still hit a tank against Auburn. Um, good pitcher. Second baseman Jace Young from Texas Tech. Similar story to Barry. Um, defensive limitations. He's, he's playing second. He, he hasn't looked as good as you would want a preseason All-American to look at second. And the question there is going to be, where does he end up having to move to? Can he stick in the middle infield? Or does he have to move to a corner when he gets to the bigs or move to the outfield? Um, he's an on-base machine. So he gets on a lot. He can hit for power, but he's got really unorthodox swing mechanics. So when he starts to struggle, it's going to be harder to figure out and teach him how to fix it because you have to work within the framework of his unorthodox, unusual way of doing things mechanically. You can't just say, oh yeah, well, just do this and this and this because his swing doesn't work like that. So uh, I'm not going to say it's like harder to coach him or anything, but it's going to be a little bit trickier as far as figuring out what to do there. Uh Gavin Cross, the outfielder from Virginia Tech, the other candidate to be the first college outfielder off the board. Um contact has improved so he's making a lot of good contact. The power hasn't really manifested in games, and it's hard to take you as the first uh outfielder from college off the board if you can't if you're not hitting home runs. I mean, it's it's something that, like unless you're stealing 20 30 bags, which he's not he's not doing that either. Uh I mean, it's it's the hit tool is there. Defensively, he's good, but he just he needs more power if you want to be the first guy off the board. Um, Robert Moore from Arkansas, playing shortstop right now. I think he's going to be a second baseman in MLB. He's the best defensive infielder in a class that doesn't have a lot of good defensive infielders. And so he's probably going to have to move to second base, and it's just one of those functions. There's a ton of hitters in this class. defenders. Pitching from college at a premium right now. and Robert Moore is kind of the best of, it's lipstick on a pick, the best of what you have there. And then just more guys that are falling. all of these hurt and missing pitchers. You've seen Landon Sims, the righty from Mississippi State, out with a TJ. Peyton Paulette from Arkansas. Connor Prelip from Alabama. Like all these guys missing time. I think Prelip's going to be able to make it back and throw a little bit before the draft. So he may help some of his stock, but you can see all these pitchers now falling down uh to the back half of the first round uh simply because I mean they've been hurt, and you're gonna see Barco and Hughes be able to jump them and be up in those that first 15 or so. Um Carson Wisenhunt from East Carolina, he's an interesting case. Lefty looked really good, was mocked in the first round. He's been suspended for a banned supplement. Uh, you know, so he failed a drug test. And so question there's going to be what's when that comes out as far as the conversations with teams is there going to be a team satisfied with his explanation what he says about that to not drop him too far and then there's obviously Kumar rocker floating out there uh, Vanderbilt pitcher didn't sign with the Mets last year because of the elbow issue uh, has is apparently I believe going to be doing independent ball and kind of working out on his own and then is going to re-enter the draft this year so the question there is going to be what is um, what does Kumar Rocker do uh, and, and how highly do teams see him? But if you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can always email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. We've got a great week coming up. I've got an interview for you tomorrow uh, with a White Sox minor leaguer. We're talking not only his interesting and unique path to the Bigs, uh, but we're also talking minor league living conditions we're talking wages we're talking housing a lot of the changes that you've heard about talked uh, you've heard talked about for 2022 jake Suddit's going to tell us a lot about those uh, as well as the mlb season starts on thursday the minor league season starts on tuesday so we're going to have results from games to talk about and then our farm friday coming up like we always do so uh, so stick around for that but until then this has been locked on mlb prospects um.